Well, um, we're truly grateful for the prayers and blessings as uh, we have have really travelled quite a journey. Um, when I came uh, to South Africa initially to serve the Lord in ministry, um, people would say to me, my goodness, you know, you, you must have a lot of faith. And I, I said, well, you know, I have the strong, strong conviction that uh, Jesus Christ suffered and died on the cross for my sins and that I did nothing. He did all the work and he drew me to himself and he convicted me of my sin. I repented and I am saved and I am eternally saved. And my faith was very strong in that. And as we continued on in ministry, uh, as the Lord started using us in different aspects of having to live without a fixed income, the Lord started developing in me a different part of my faith, a faith that required me to trust in him, trusting him not only as my Savior and Lord, but trust in him as my provider, as my protection, as my strong tower, as my convictor, as the one who directed my path. And so I started to, uh, through many tears and struggles, to grow in that understanding. And what I want to talk to you today about is about living by faith and what that actually means. You know, we live in a world that is confused at this time. There is so much distrust there's so many conspiracy theories. Is the government doing the right thing? Do they really have our interests at heart? And this is around the whole world. What has happened? Who has perpetrated this disaster in our lives? And in the book of Isaiah, um, God says this, he says, I am the one who brings prosperity and I am the one that brings calamity. And it's important for us as believers to uh, understand that uh, life is difficult and it's not only now at this time that we live in difficult times. World history has shown that there have been many occasions in the uh, human life where men have not understood what was going on and what tomorrow would bring. We had the Babylonian Empire, we had the Egyptian Empire, we had the Medes and the Persians, we had the Roman Empire, we had the Inquisition, we had the Black Plague, we had the Spanish Flu, we had the First World War, we had uh, the Second World War. We had the Great Depression. Times of uncertainty. And what do we do? Where do we turn? And what enables us to continue on? None of us here today know 
whether life will ever return to what we understand as normal. So where do we go? You know, the writer of Hebrews wrote to this Hebrew Christian community who were experiencing very similar things. They were struggling. They were being persecuted. They were being driven from their homes. They were being driven from their towns. And they wanted to go back to what was normal. And that was traditional Hebrew religion. And the writer of the book of Hebrews wants to convince them and and show them, demonstrate clearly to them that Christ is supreme to everything that the old traditional Jewish religion had to offer. He wanted them to understand that you cannot turn back. You have to continue this course and you have to continue this course by faith. And Hebrews 11, as we know, is, is the, um, I forgot the word now, is the, is the hallmark of faith. This is the, the book that talks about these great men in the Old Testament who lived by faith. And he demonstrates in this book that these people believed God. They trusted God. They trusted what God had said, even though many of those things that God had trusted, they would not see. Hebrews 12 goes on to say, and I would like to just read this. It says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every incumbent and sin which entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is laid before us, keeping our eyes focused, focused on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. Now, often we'll think that we are running this life of endurance in a stadium and these men of old, men of faith, are sitting in the grandstand cheering us on. Well, that's not the case. It is the example of this life lived by faith that the writer of Hebrews is wanting us to draw from and to be encouraged by. And our verse of scripture that we're going to expound upon today is Hebrews 11.6. And it says this, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. I'm sure that there's nobody here today that does not believe that salvation requires faith. So our first point that we're going to make is faith is essential if we are to please God. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 tells us that for by grace we have been saved through faith. 
It is a gift of God. It's not of ourselves. It's not of our works. So we cannot boast. Faith is a requirement. We see that grace, faith, and the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work is all that we need for salvation. Romans 5.1 tells us, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. We are justified because God is pleased with us because we have placed our faith and trust in the finished work of his son. We see that God is gracious, that he is merciful, that he is our deliverer and our justifier. Our reward in salvation, in coming to God, we come in faith. God is pleased by this and he rewards us with eternal life. How does this apply then to the Christian life after salvation? How do we live our lives with an understanding that without faith, we are not pleasing to God? And so we consider this in Romans. The Apostle Paul says in, in Romans 1.16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and, to also, and also the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Well, if we consider ourselves being justified, that means that God has looked upon us and he has acquitted us of all accusations. He has freed us from accusation. Justification is a legal term. It's not something we feel or um, is tangible. It is God declaring us Righteous, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Paul goes on in, in Romans, in Romans 14, where he is talking to the Roman believers. He is telling them, listen, guys, those of you who are strong in the faith, you need to be patient towards those who are weak in the faith with regards to eating and drinking. And he ends that chapter Uh, Verse 22 and 23, it says, The faith which you have, have as your own conscience before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith. And whatever is not from faith is sin. The key there is to see that everything, whatever is not from faith, is sin. Whatever we do in our lives where we don't think and consider God, that we do not exercise our faith and our trust in him, is sin. 
Now I'm not talking about trivial things like going to the bathroom. We don't need to do that faithfully, though we all do. There are many things that are are logical that we do in life. But when we consider big decisions, when we consider when our life is in trial and tribulation, who do we turn to? Do we feel that we are able to sort these things out ourselves? The Corinthian church was a church that gave Paul sleepless nights. They were here and there and everywhere. And in uh, the second book of Corinthians, um, many of these so-called believers or those who profess to be believers were living lives of absolute impurity. And in um, uh, chapter 13 and verse 5, The Apostle Paul challenges these believers. He says, test yourself and see whether you are in the faith. Or do you not know this about yourself, that Jesus lives in you, unless, of course, you fail the test? Our lives as we live them must demonstrate that we truly have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and in our Heavenly Father. Faith is essential in salvation and faith is essential in all the works that we do in our Christian life. The second part of this in our exposition of this passage is faith is essential in knowing God. The phrase in um, Hebrews 11.6 must Believe that he is. That must is an emphatic statement. It is essential that the believer believe that God is. And we can ask ourselves, God is what? Well, God is who his word says he is. And I really enjoyed the the songs that we sang today because it, it, just demonstrated who God is, how faithful he is, and that we can rely on him. You know, if we consider the mountains of the world, the Himalayas are the greatest of the mountains. And the pinnacle of the Himalayas is Everest. In the Bible, the mountain in the Bible is the book of Romans. It is, it, sorry, it is Everest. It is the pinnacle, the theological pinnacle of scripture. And Romans 8.28 is such an amazing verse. It is most probably the second most quoted verse in scripture with John 3.16 being the most. And it says this, And we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. It starts off, and we know. We need to have an understanding of this fact that God, he is the one that is active, 
that he is in the process of always being involved in the life of every believer. And it says that God causes all things. It doesn't say that God allows or God hopes or um, God accepts. It says God causes all things. And it says all things. That's the good things and the bad things. That's our life in COVID. That is our sick child. That is our wayward child. God causes all these things, and he causes all these things to work together for the good. And for the good of whom? For the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. God is alive and active in our lives. So to know God, we need to understand that this is true, that God is involved in what is going on in our lives. The book of Job, we see that God tells Satan, he says, what about my righteous servant? Of course, Job goes through many trials and tribulations. He loses his whole family. He loses all of his livestock. He breaks out and boils and soars. He has great discomfort. He gets counsel from fools who know nothing. And in Job 42, Job, after the Lord has really got all over him, from chapters 38 through 41, and also those poor counselors. Job says this, then, the Lord, uh, then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. God has called us according to his purpose. And his purpose in our life will be fulfilled. Two Corinthians five tells us this that as believers we do not walk oh that we walk by faith and not by sight. We do not need to see everything in a clear picture that is going on. But we need to have faith that God is in control. Philippians 2, 12 and 13 tells us this. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, the understanding of work out your salvation is not uh, you strive to get yourself saved. That is, is better rendered the working out of your salvation. You have salvation and you are working this out with an understanding and a knowledge that God is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Our responsibility is 
that knowing God and believing God and that our lives as we live them are lived to fulfill his purpose, no matter what the circumstances are. Faith gives us hope. The, the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. We live in this COVID world and we have no idea, no understanding. What we see, we are not sure about, but our hope and assurance is in God seated on his throne. Some of God's attributes, God is self-existence. He doesn't need any one of us. God is spirit. He doesn't have a material body. He's transcendent. God is sovereign. He's holy. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's immutable. He never changes. He is the same yesterday today and forever. God is gracious. He is loving. He is foreknowing. He is righteous in his wrath. He loves purity and judges impurity. He is merciful. He forgives sinners who repent. Jesus in his prayer in uh, John 17, 3 says, this is eternal life that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life, salvation, is knowing God, having an intimate knowledge and relationship with him. So faith, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is essential for pleasing our Lord. Those who come to him must believe that he is, that he is who he says he is. Faith is essential for knowing God. Our final point is faith is essential in receiving God's reward. Passage of scripture that has always amazed me is Matthew 7 verses 13 through 23. And it talks about entering by the narrow gate for broad is the way that leads to destruction. I'm convinced by the text that this is talking about the church. This is not talking about people outside of the church. The broad way is, is coming to God in a worldly sense. The narrow way is coming to God by faith in Jesus Christ. We see that because in verse, um, uh, sorry, I've lost my spot here. We see it in the, in, the, in the fact that the Bible says, not everyone that calls me Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of the Father, the thing that is pleasing to God, will enter. And the thing that is pleasing to God is that we acknowledge his son. And the works that these people have done, they say, but Lord, did we not in your name cast out demons and in your name do many mighty and wonderful works? 
And Jesus says, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I never knew you. Strong and powerful words. Faith is required in receiving our reward. And our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ because this is pleasing to God. In the New Testament, uh, in the Gospels, we see many cases where Jesus says, your faith has made you whole. In Caesarea, a centurion comes to Jesus and he says, my servant is dying. And Jesus says, okay, let's go. And he says, no, Lord, I am unworthy that you come into my house. He says, but you are like me. You can tell a man, come and go, and they do it. Merely command and it shall be done. And Jesus says, in the whole of Israel, I have not seen such faith. Because the centurion understood who Christ was and what Christ's ability was. And Jesus says that your servant is healed. On another case, the uh, official from the synagogue is, he comes to Jesus and he says, my only daughter is sick and dying. And Jesus says, okay, let us go. And a woman who has been hemorrhaging for 12 years goes over and touches the garment of Christ. And he says this in response to both these cases. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Her coming to Christ in faith, even though she never said a word, just trusting in him and his ability. Then the people from the synagogue came and told the official, don't bother the master, your daughter has died. And Jesus, overhearing this, said to the synagogue official, do not be afraid any longer, only believe. In conclusion, we see this. And let's recap. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is essential in the pleasing of our Father. Those who come to him must believe that he is. It is essential in knowing and understanding who the God is that we serve. Those who eagerly seek God will be rewarded. Faith is essential for receiving God's reward. Well, how does this impact our lives and the ministry of this church at this time? You've been talking on a series about stretching your nets. How do you do that in a manner that is pleasing to God? The first thing that we need to understand is our responsibility. Last week we heard about the Great Commission and we heard Acts 1.8. In the Great Commission, we are commissioned to go out and make disciples of all nations. Acts 1.8, 
we, we learned that we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us and that we will be God's witnesses? Do we accept that by faith that we have been commissioned to go out? Do we accept it by faith that we have power in the Holy Spirit? And our responsibility is one thing only, and that is to share the gospel of Christ. And Romans 10.17 tells us this. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. John 10 tells us that Jesus is the good shepherd. And he tells us that the sheep, his sheep, know him and he knows them by name and they know his voice and they hear his voice. And in verse 16 it says, I have other sheep, not of this fold, not of this Jewish fold, speaking about the Gentile fold. And he says this, he says, I must go to them. They will hear my voice. And they will come to me, and they will become one flock. Our faith in spreading our nets is that Christ knows his sheep, and he will send his message to them. They will hear, and they will become one flock. Let us be obedient to the Great Commission. And let us trust that we are his witnesses and that he has granted us his power. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And those who come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who eagerly seek him. Let us pray. Our great God and Saviour, Lord, as we bow before you, as we bow before your throne, we want to acknowledge how often we are faithless in our lives, in the things that we wish to do, in the directions we wish to take, in our trials and our tribulations, that oftentimes you are the last one that we come to, to call on your name, to ask you to provide, to help, to encourage, to strengthen us. And Lord, so often we forget that you are a God of promise. You have promised us that you will never leave us nor forsake us. You have promised that you are our provider, our sustainer. You are our strength and our shield. Lord, help us in our lack of faith. Help us and strengthen us to come to you, believing that you are our great God and Savior and that we are rewarded by you as your children. We praise you and we love you. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen.